on which side of that door will you be? The Lord is using this phrase, wedding banquet, to challenge your hearts, to stir up your souls, and to ask you, on which side of that door will you be? When that declaration and the door was shut. On which side of the door will you be? Because the worst thing that can happen, Lord, 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 please open for us. Meaning it's scary out there. You can almost tell the terror that's going on there, right? But the issue is, when that will be happening, I say the great and the fearful separation will take place. And you can imagine, I'm saying you can imagine you with your friend, your friend is missing on the earth, and the door has been shut. And you can imagine they're in the comfort and warmth and safety of inside, right? Yes. Oh, oh, how are you? Which altar was that? You see, whatever. So, you know, you can imagine they're inside. Then Peter didn't come. Because there will be real people here that will miss. No, let me tell, let me speak to you people this truth here. I cry in my heart every time I think about that. Because really, in my heart, I want all of you to enter. But I said, preparedness cannot be shared and cannot be transferred. Did you understand me? They will be alive there and they talk, they will reflect. They will reflect on what happened. Oh, yes. Yes, so people, you will be aware that they are saying things up there. So you really want to be inside, right? Yes, because also, outside will be bad. Very bad, because people have gone, things are bad. The man of God has left the land, and things are different. The word cannot be preached. Because, and the virgins who are ready went in and entered with him into the wedding banquet. So he wanted to portray the character of the church that will enter into the eternal kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That's point number one. The Lord designed to use the word virgins in this parable to basically communicate the character of the bridesmaids that would enter into the wedding banquet, into the kingdom of God. Did you understand? Which means the quality of the church, the character of the church. Hallelujah. And now focus on me for a moment before we write again. So when he mentioned now virgins, and he wants to portray the character of the church that would enter the kingdom of God. That's why he used the word virgins. But now look at this now. The other thing, to go now deeper into that character that the Lord wanted to portray when he used the word virgins, the Lord wanted the following. He wanted you to understand that that church that would enter the kingdom of God would have purity. Purity. Purity, like the purity of a virgin. Purity. That's what he wanted to bring forth. Meaning, the purity untouched, undefiled, unadulterated. Number two, he also wanted to portray forth the holiness of that church. Number three, the righteousness. Number four, the faithfulness of that church. That is going to enter into the kingdom of God. These things are critical. These are the standards of God. The righteousness also. Unadulterated, undefiled, untouched. And then the fourth one I said. The faithfulness of that church. Unadulterated, undefiled, whatever. Number five now. Let's listen to this now. Now, 
In number five, this is what the Lord wanted to present. In number five, when you read Amplified, then you'll understand. Look at Amplified, what it says. Again, Matthew 25. Amplified says from verse, uh, verse 10, right? But while they were going away to buy, the bridegroom came. Focus on me now. Look, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like ten virgins who did what? Went out. Went out to receive the, bride, the bridegroom. Ten virgins who did what? Didn't stay. Went out. Meaning, there was a movement, a shift. There was a shift of location or position. They moved from one position to the next position. And that position they moved to was a place where they could receive. It was the place for reception. Follow me carefully on this. They are here inside. The kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins who went out to this place to receive the bridegroom, to wait for the bridegroom and receive him, to usher him in. Right? Are we together? Let me describe this to you. This is very key that I describe this. So listen to this. He's saying that, look, coming from inside, went out to a place, a particular location of reception. They realized that place was not for a place of reception, right? Here now, they're ready to receive, right? But we have just read and Amplified that, but while they, were, they had gone away to buy, meaning the foolish virgins left this place of reception and walked away from there. Did you understand me carefully, step by step? They were all together here at the place of reception, but the foolish virgins decided to walk away from here to go and buy oil to the dealers, the sellers. So the only ones that remained, the only people that remained at the place of reception where the bridegroom was coming to where the wise virgins. That's the first thing you need to understand. Let's move on a second. Once the wise virgins were left alone here, then you understand that we are actually, when you use the word virgins, and we are talking about the purity, the holiness, the righteousness, the faithfulness. When he mentions that regarding that church, then he's referring to the wise virgins only. Only. Because the foolish have moved away. Are we together there? The foolish virgins have already walked away. Now listen to this. So, he's essentially describing the church that is the wise virgins at the place of reception at the time of return. But listen to this now. He's also saying that there are for the fifth thing, the fifth character of the church that made him use the word virgins is the receptiveness of that church. Meaning, she was available at the place of reception to receive the Messiah. The other church was not available to receive. So for the Lord, for the Messiah, this church was now receptive to him. The other one, unreceptive. Did not wait for me. Was not there when I came. Are we together now? That's very mighty. At the place of reception. Came from inside to out at the place of receiving where he would come to. And now, the foolish ones have walked away. So we are only dealing with the wise virgins. So when we are referring to the character of the church by using the word virgins, the character of the church that enters, we are only essentially referring to the wise virgins. 
And therefore, because they were the ones available here when the Messiah came, so this receptiveness, they were there to receive him. That receptiveness as the fifth character refers only to the wise church, the wise virgins. Right? Can I continue here then? Now listen to this now. I'm going to describe to you this. If, I'm taking you back to the Jewish wedding again. Right? In the Jewish wedding, had a ceremony that took place. It was a daytime ceremony. A tent was decorated. What everything? There is the wedding ceremony and all that. Right? After that, there is a wedding banquet. The wedding dinner, if you want. The wedding reception, if you want, other people say. Right? And that normally takes place in the evening. So people went to change clothes. This first ceremony took place already. Now in the evening, now comes the wedding feast, the wedding celebration, the wedding banquet. There is a way, there is a protocol procedure there. You know these things. That is not happening in the day. That happens in that ceremony, the banquet. But now listen to this now. In the Jewish ceremony, after that wedding that took place in the, the day, people went now, they changed, prepared different clothes for the evening dinner, the banquet now. So, the bridegroom always went away. And the bridegroom always came back in the evening. And the bridesmaids were the ones that were always assigned to go and wait for the bridegroom and when he's returning to usher him into what? The wedding banquet. Did you understand the picture now? You get it properly now. I want you, that's important. So, that waiting was the following. It was required of the bridesmaids in those days that they each have a lamp because it was in the night. Right? But now, I want to bring you to life on this fact about the lamp, that the lamps were actually not really lamps. Because when I look at those lamps in Israel, I see that they are more similar. Of course, they have that oil also, and they have that wick. But I see that in that time, the lamps of that time were similar to the torches that those soldiers carried when they went to arrest Jesus. They were similar. So I could call them torches. Also because the lamps were meant to give light. Listen. The, bride, the bridegroom is coming. They, they, they now the virgins, the, the bridesmaids have to go. And sometimes in song. In song. To receive him. And then to usher him, escort him. Right? Escort him into, usher him into the wedding banquet. It was good reception and courtesy. You understand? And so the issue now becomes this. Each one of the bridesmaids that was awaiting the coming back, the return, coming back, the return of the bridegroom. Hallelujah. They're coming back. Waiting for his return. They had to have torches. Those lamps that were like torches to give light because it was night. To give light. In fact, that is how you knew who the bridesmaids were. That's how you knew the virgins, who they were. The bridesmaids that were assigned to receive. You understand? But now the issue was this. There was a problem. That time the Jewish society ran into some problem. Because there were some outlaws. Some lawless people, some thugs, some bandits. 
In fact, in, 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 uh, in the Jewish translation, it becomes the brigands. Brigands is the name. These were thugs that used to get crushed into parties. I guess we have them today also. When they hear there is a party, <laughs> they are called get, get crushers or party crushers. So they come. They used to come, meaning they are not legit. They are illegitimate. They are not part of the entourage. So what they used to do is very simple. They used to mix with a group to try to enter, to crash in, into the mob, to enter. Hey, it is big. And so, they became a problem, a menace to the society. As it is, thugs, outlaws are a menace to every society. Focus on me on this one until I bring it to the end. So what happened was this. When the, these thugs were also known, the brigands, banditos. So at night, when people are walking the roads at night, that is what you watched over. The banditos. You understand? The brigands. Because they appeared with knives, sometimes they knew that people were aware that they are there. So what they did was very simple. When people were walking, they also walked among them. And <laughs> they tried to blend in. <laughs> and then hear the conversation to know what treasures these people are carrying. <laughs> and take the bags. You understand? At night. So there was that one problem at night of the brigands. Number two, the other problem was this. That when the roads went through the forests, the brigands again appeared. So in the night they appeared, they get crushed into parties to loot things and steal things, they eat, they do, you just come out with jewelry, whatever it is, you know. Now, also on the roads in the day, when the road went through the forest and in the night, also when the roads went up the mountains, were isolated. So there were these brigands in society, right? So what happened is this. When the bridesmaids went out at night to wait with their lamps burning for the return, return of the bridegroom to usher him, to bring him to the wedding banquet, there was always that fear that brigands will mix and try to enter with us. So that's why what happened was this. The criterion was this. They then saw that every person Every person who is carrying a burning torch, the only way they distinguish between the bona fide right virgins that went to receive the entourage, they became part of the entourage of the bridegroom. The only way they distinguished between them and the nun, the outlaws, is because these ones were carrying burning what? Lamps. To show the light, the way, to light up the way for the bridegroom. As they sang the songs. So, but many times when they did that, they always, as they walked now with the bridegroom, or as they were waiting, they were always together. And like, because of brigands. Anybody that did not have a burning torch, a burning lamp, was a thug. <laughs> now you understood me. That's the message the Lord wanted to relay. That anybody else 
that does not have a burning lamp is a thug, is an outlaw. Is not allowed in the entourage. So there comes the problem. Look at the church in this country. Look at the church globally without the burning lamp. So these are thugs. They're brigands. They're outlaws. On that day they're going to be declared outlaws. Because only by the burning lamp. Because the only difference between the foolish and the wise virgins is that the wise virgins have their lamps burning. And that, that, that's the only difference that now they enter. Everybody else, whether in the church or not, becomes a brigand. A thug. <laughs> that, that is key. It's important to underscore that. So you may know for yourself why you need to keep your lamp burning. Yes, why you need to tap this Holy Spirit. And for you are blessed, the cloud is here, the oil is flowing. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, right now, the glory is here. Yeah. The portals of heaven are open. Yeah. And so there is a flow of the anointing of the Lord yeah. to continue refueling the midnight lamp yeah. in the church. First of all, it begins with the awareness of that and the pursuit of it. You see that? So, did you understand now? The dangers. If you don't have a burning lamp, you know who you are. And you just know what you are doing here. You just want to do some robbery. You are a thug. Eh? So, the Lord was essentially saying that in the congregation of the church at this hour, when he talked about the five wise and five foolish virgins, he was essentially saying that there will be two congregations in one church. One congregation will be the faithful church that has the character that is equivalent to virgins. I talked about purity, holiness, righteousness, faithfulness, receptiveness. And the other church will be full, will be essentially the brigands. Those who have get crushed. They are party goers that have gone to crush the party to eat there. They are outlaws. He was talking about two congregations. And it's amazing as he discusses that. Talking about those who enter and those who will not enter. He was giving a prophecy that inside the church will be two congregations. One will not belong to him. One will belong to him. When I talked about the judgment, the apostasy, I brought to you the gravity of apostasy that attracts that judgment of God. And I said, the apostates in the church are essentially... The clandestine, the undercover atheists in the church. Atheists. People who don't believe in God inside the church. They are undercover. <laughs> they are inside the church. But they are atheists. They don't believe in Jesus. And then, they are sitting with you, chair to chair. They are worshipping with you. And they don't believe in Jesus. Huh? It's an unbelievable situation, right? Can we move on now? He says, The word virgins therefore indicated the following about that church that enters. Number A, under it now, purity. And I said, unadulterated, undefiled, untouched purity. Number two, I said, holiness. Again, undefiled, unadulterated, untouched if you want, right? Number C, 
righteousness. Number D, faithfulness of that church. E, patience of that church. Patience. Huh? F, endurance of that church. How that church can endure. G, receptiveness of that church. Which I've just described, but I need to talk about it now. Receptiveness. Can I talk about it? So you see, they have their candles, their lamps, they are able to receive the bridegroom because the candles are burning. They can show the light, the way now, and take him in, right? But listen to this now. If you are talking about receptiveness, it is not a late term event. It's not an event happening late term. Why? Because if you look at what makes the wise virgins receptive, totally receptive, absolutely receptive to the Lord, when he comes, it is the jar of oil. But that jar of oil is not a late term event. It is something right from beginning when they received the Lord, they received also. They carried and went out with. So the receptiveness of those wise virgins, that wise church is not a late term event. It is something that began right from when they received the Lord. So all along their lives, they have been receptive to Jesus. They are these people that the Lord Jesus can just come and talk to any time. He is willing to hear. He is willing to go. He is willing to serve. They are just receptive to the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to get deeper. Talking about the virgins. Because when the Lord used virgins, He afforded us an opportunity, a very unequaled opportunity. A rare opportunity to look deep into the character, the life of that church that enters. And yet we know that that church right now is still on the earth here. Has not yet entered. So a real opportunity is here. For us to look deep into the character of the church that in the parable enters. So if we have this opportunity and we look deep and see the characters, we can now march it and say, do I befit it? Then I can make the necessary adjustments to make sure that we perfectly aligned to this requirement. Amen. Hallelujah. When you use the word virgin, it's very powerful. Now, let's go deeper now. Receptiveness, it is the jar of oil that gives them capacity to be receptive. Meaning, the human being by his own nature has no capacity to receive Jesus. To be receptive to Jesus. To be receptive to the matters of God. Hallelujah. In their own uh, self. Alone as they are. So they need that extraneous help, outside help. Can I move on now? So if you look at the character of the church that because virgins, wise virgins, now we have seen the ones who remained at reception, receptive place, reception place. Now look at this. If you look at that word wise, you just take a book dictionary and you open like this, look for the word wise. These are the things you pull out. Look, that you see the following words. You see, that those virgins that entered were wise. And then when you go deep to understand, but what does it mean to be wise? It means, you say, they were shrewd. So the, one of the first words that come out, shrewd, as their quality. Because now we are looking through a window, we want to know who are these people. Because this prophecy is not yet fulfilled. This church is still here on the earth. Are we that church? When you look at the word wise, the next thing you get is that she was cunning. But the third one you get, she was attentive. But those things are even in Amplified. Because Amplified said attentive, active, thoughtful, foresighted. 
So you can get other words. For example, if you take what Amplified calls prudent and put in the dictionary book, dictionary open and check, it will give you more understanding of the character of that church. Are we together? Can I move now? The five wise virgins can therefore be categorized or classified in character as being A. Shrewd B. Cunning C. Attentive D. Prudent Whatever. There's a whole list you can put there as you want. I'm just giving a few examples but I'll walk with you in front here. Right? Can we move forward now? So now we have been afforded a window to go and see what they look like. Because that prophecy is not yet fulfilled. That church is still here. So we want to find out, is this that church? And if she's not, she has to adjust quickly. Because everything has invested therein, inside this one. Right? The presence of the five wise and foolish virgins was a profound prophecy that Jesus was giving regarding the days towards the coming of the kingdom of God. That there would be Two types of congregations. Five wise, five foolish. That was a prophecy essentially saying there would be two types of congregations. And then under that, A, the righteous congregation. B, the unrighteous congregation. There will be two types of congregation in church. I just wanted to catch that under the virgins. You see that? Because five wise, five foolish, meaning two congregations will coexist. In other words, you can say there would be an admixture, admixture of two congregations. A, righteous congregation. B, unrighteous congregation. You understand? Now we are going deeper. When Jesus said virgins, what did he say to the church, right? Now we are seeing that the wise virgins, they are the only ones that represent the followers of Jesus. Who did the following? The followers of Jesus, who would be ready with a sufficient measure of the oil. Of good works at the time of his return. You remember I mentioned those characters shrewd, cunning, attentive, prudent, clever, intelligent, whatever it is, we're going to look at a few, right? I'm deriving this whole thing. Why? Because we have seen that that's a window through which we can now look and say, oh, so this is how they look like. Since the prophecy is not yet fulfilled, we are the ones. Let us be them, right? Or let we are the ones, let us adapt to these things to us, right? Let's begin. The wise virgins therefore indicated, number one, when he used the word wise virgins, he indicated the following. Now the word is shrewd. Under shrewd, now I'm saying, nobody else will ever come and teach this church the word because time is even over. For that matter, I am responsible to their eternity. So, I don't want to just go there and be rhetorical and just talking around and pocketing and whatever. I want to prepare for their sermon very deep. So I took the word shrewd, I went to the dictionary. What does it mean? So I want to bring it to the church, meaning break it digestible portions, right? Synthesizable, right? And so number one under shrewd becomes having or showing sharp powers of judgment. Considering the wisdom you are teaching that church to become, having or showing sharp powers of judgment. That's very mighty. At this time when discernment is tricky. If they can have that, that's very mighty. Do you have that? Number two, astute. Number three, intelligent. Number four, sagacious. Sages, you know who a sage is, right? Yeah, the sage is a prophet. Sagacious, which means their behavior is kind of foresighted. Just like a prophet would be. They're thinking ahead. You understand? 
each one of these like intelligent, if I were you, I would go to the dictionary again. What is intelligent? I would go there. And so this becomes a very powerful, endless sermon. Because if he says, well, sagacious, astute, I would go and find out what is astute. So that now I really break it down to the church to the finest level, we'll enter the kingdom now. Did you understand the whole idea here? Hmm? And he says, sagacious, clever, sharp-witted. Sharp-witted is the word. Which means these are people who go deep to the core of issues. They want to find out the truth. You understand? They are not superficial people. The sharp-witted, perceptive. Number eight there says, having the ability to understand things and make good judgment. But, but that's key, right? Having the ability to understand what? Things. Eh? In other words, teachable people. You see that? Having the ability to understand things. You understand? Yes, we move on now. Mentally sharp. And under that still, Matthew chapter 10 verse 16. And he says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. So he's sending you with shrewdness. This is incredible. When I read this, I laughed off, you know. I laughed alone. Because how, you say, I'm sending you out there like sheep among wolves. But you need to have the shrewdness of snakes. Unbelievable, right? And later when we come to cunning, you say, the quality used by the shrewd people. <laughs> so those things puzzled me quite a bit, right? <laughs> but Jesus says it here, that go out and be shrewd. The wise virgins were shrewd. That's just part of wisdom, being wise. There are people you call street smart. Are you understanding that? Because you say, I'm sending you into a bad place. Like sheep among wolves. But please, I'm asking you to be shrewd. He's saying, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves that eat sheep. Did you understand properly now? Wolves that eat sheep. I want you to be shrewd. Eh? It means being artful. We are still under shrewd. Skillful, in other words. Artful is skillful. Another point, it's being quick. You understand? Another point, having a clever awareness of your environment. A clever awareness of your environment. Or on, on practical matters also, if you want. Keen, being keen. Okay, can we move to another quality of the wise virgins? Cunning. Skill employed in shrewdness. Eh? Or skill employed by the shrewd. If someone is shrewd, if you check them properly, you must see that they are cunning. <laughs> You say adeptness, adept. Adeptness in performance. Proficiency in performance. Some efficient ways of handling issues. Eh? Eh? So, so this kind of people is what the church is saying the wise virgins were. Did you understand we're defining the church that enters? I'm sending you as sheep among wolves that eat sheep. Eh? <laughs> and I'm asking you to go ahead and be shrewd and the, on top of that, you be cunning. Let the cunning be the tool you are using in your shrewdness. <laughs> Hallelujah. You say, artfully subtle, skillfully subtle means hidden. 
at the right opportunity, you give the gospel. <laughs> you understand? When the opportunity avails, you unleash the gospel, right? And you just harvest the soul and put it in the bag, right? For Jesus. <laughs> and he says, performing with ingenuity. Meaning being a genius in doing your performance. Huh? Performing with ingenuity. Number five, under cunning is expert. Expert. So, if it is a skill used by the shrewd, then they are expert at their trade. Right? Oh, yes. That's always very important. Or you might be in a matatu and things are very hostile. Nobody can preach the gospel. The way you look, these people look very hostile people. In Nairobi it is, right? Very hostile. So, you have to be careful when to say the gospel. So what you do, sometimes you don't open your mouth. And then, when you're standing up, you take a tract, handbill, and you live on your seat. And you step out. You know the next person will always take it and read it. You were targeting this person. And he reads it, wow, he might call. Yeah, then he called, oh yes, actually I'm a pastor there. You see that. But you have to be careful to know when to do it. You cannot even go to the bar where people are drunk and start talking about Jesus. So sometimes it can be really very rough, right? Someone can stand up and hammer your blow, right? In a bar. You see that? Hallelujah. No, you're laughing. Can we move on now? I'm looking at another character because we've seen shrewd, the wise virgins. Now we have this wonderful window looking at the lives they led so we can be able to understand if, if the church we are conforms to that. So we saw shrewd, and then we saw cunning, and now I'm looking at another character called prudent. Prudent. He says, under prudent, he says, wise. Number two, well judged. Wow. That means your judgment is right. You thought about it again, you thought about it, and then you judged. You say, I will go this way. I will do this, right? Number two is well judged. Number three is sensitive, which means those wise virgins were quite sensitive to the matters of God, right? And then number four, again, sagacious. Number five, advisable, meaning teachable. They were available to the Holy Spirit's counsel. Number six, he says shrewd. Number seven, he says thrifty. Thrifty is to be swift. Someone once received the Lord, you met in the Matatu, and she says, I live in this, uh, rather I'm in this office, this way, the office, my office, whatever, before the door is closed, because it might change their mind. Hey, please, please read the following. Can you focus on the book of John and also Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 and then the coming of the Messiah. That is now 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 4 verses 16, 17. And then when you do that, please remember that these are, these, these are the chronological steps. Number one, repentance. You repent from all sin and it can be a personal repentance. You don't need anybody. Number two, and then you confess now. And then Number three, then ask the Lord. Just ask Him. You don't need anybody. Ask Him to give you the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and reveal Himself to you. Number five, this and this is my number. I will be free today at lunch or between this time and this, please, if you are available, call me. I'll be able to pass by. You got a small window, you squeezed it in. <laughs> and then she, she reaches home. I can't believe she sent me already the email. Yes, and then, oh, he sent me. And then, ah, already the person is beginning to thank Christ. Before they change their mind. Because the world is always causing them to do that, right? Thrifty. And then he said responsible. <laughs> Number nine, realistic. They're not living in some kind of dream, right? Number ten, reasonable. Number eleven, thoughtful. Number twelve, rational. 
Number that you may have to think about that number twelve because sometimes to follow Jesus you have to be rational in your ways, right? But rational meaning you have to weigh the options, right, and make a judgment. And then number thirteen, pragmatic. Fourteen, sober. Fifteen, accountable. Sixteen, answerable. Do you see now we're beginning to get a little glimpse into the life that the wise virgins lived that in that parable allowed them to enter. And that prophecy is not yet fulfilled. That church is still on the earth. We want to be this church by all means, right? Can I go to astute? The next one is astute. Astute means acute. Astute. Acute. Bright. Smart. Intuitive. Number five is insightful. They look deep inside, right? Number six is incisive. Number seven is wise. Can I move on now? Attentive. I said you can have as many as 200 qualities that define them, but I'll take only five. So let us go to another one called attentive, right? Attentive also. We have just talked about shrewd, cunning. We have gone to prudent, astute, and now we are attentive, number five, right? Attentive, he says, paying close attention to something. Did you understand now why the wise virgins entered? Paying close attention to something. Be observant. Heedful. Heedful. They can listen. They are able to obey. Then he says vigilant. He says alert. Thoughtful. Intent. Intense. Intent. Which means they are really on that objective. And then intense. They pursue it with all vigor and zeal. Committed. Number 10 is watchful. Hallelujah. The next quality is forethought. Because in Amplified, he said, having forethought. Under brackets, when he was defining them, he said, having forethought. Other than prudent, he also said, having forethought. And then he used the word act active also. But let's look at forethought, right? Number one, anticipating. Number two, planning. Number one, anticipating. Number two, planning. Number three, precaution. Precautionary. Number four, care. Number five, foresight. Number six, expectancy. Expectant. Number seven, excitement. Number eight, anticipation. Is the act of preparing for something that is about to happen. Anticipation, number eight says, anticipation is the act of preparing for something that is about to happen. I'm just saying, look, I'm just talking about taking any word that has been used to define that quality of wise and go to dictionary and pull out the English meaning. Then you end up with these words that really point about waiting for the coming of the Messiah. It's <laughs> very mighty here, right? Yes, hallelujah. Can we finish this? He says, number nine, visualization of future event. That's called foresight. Visualization of future event. The other one is looking forward to something. The other one means forestalling an event. When he says forestalling an event, meaning there is a tragedy on the way, I have to forestall it, right? You see something coming, so you go ahead of it. You have to take care of that situation. Can I move on now to the most important point? Hallelujah. Amen. So he says very clearly here, these special qualities that Jesus 
presented when he used the words wise virgins essentially demonstrate to us a critical window through which we can examine the unique lives that these heavenly bridesmaids lived in that parable. Meaning the unique life that the heavenly church of this day should be living. Because that prophecy is not yet fulfilled. Right? So can we see that window now? What it says? After looking at those qualities? Everybody focus on me now. So those qualities I, I walked you through. Shrewdness, cunning, I talked about uh, prudence, attentive and astute and all for thought. Now, those qualities, when you look at them very carefully, you find that they are personal qualities. They are not group qualities. Do you understand the message the Lord was bringing to you? Those are personal. Personal qualities. They are not group qualities. Meaning, they are qualities that every individual has to sharpen in them and execute. It's not dependent on group. Do you understand now what the Lord is trying to bring forward here? Oh, yes. And later on, can I just read it so you write it, right? Because of time. He says, these qualities are principally personal traits, personal qualities, okay? They are basically personal character traits, if you want, you know? Are we ready? And because these qualities are personal characteristics or traits, it therefore implies that the wise virgins highly valued their self-interest above group solidarity. They highly valued their personal interest over and above group solidarity. Did you understand that? Which means, when it comes to the matter of preparing the way of the Lord, they said, nope. You understand? Not at all. I shall pursue my eternity with God. Alone. But, so you can imagine now, there were five in that group, but each one of them was very actively preparing in their very unique lives and qualities. Together. But, alone. They said, these qualities given, shrewdness, cunning, all these, these are personal qualities. They are not group or solidarity with that together. It is group solidarity that has sunk today's church. No. You just prepare on your own. That's what the Lord is trying to say here. Can I read it then? That means that Jesus employed the reference to wise virgins in order to indicate that preparedness and entry into the kingdom of God must be a personal effort. You cannot depend on somebody. Ah, You know the way we fast together. Whatever. <laughs> Stay out of those things. You prepare on your own and enter the kingdom of God before the door shuts. It is not group solidarity. If you see, ah, me, I feel like I need to fast. Just go into fasting before the door closes. Because then when we start the general fasting, and the kind of refining will be even more violent, right? Can we move on now? Because they want to prepare together. They want to check how the pastor is doing and try to live like him. As if they will stand before the Lord and say, Look, but my pastor used to do this. He didn't tell us to do otherwise. Then you have lost it. Because you will not have that as your defense, right? Or your plea. Isn't you? The Lord used the symbolism of the wise virgins in order to underscore 
the praise, or their praise, or if you want, of individual effort in the heavenly church. And that church is still on the earth. Meaning, when you go back to your house from today, start taking account of you. What do I have in this house that is not right? What is it in my life that is not consistent? What is it in my salvation that is what? What is it in my family that is what? So you just take responsibility and start working on you. No, don't, don't do group thing here. You prepare you. Hallelujah. And so I want to move to something very important. Another chapter. Matthew chapter 25 verse 13. Matthew 25 13. Are we ready again? That's another topic. Now we are not even halfway. And already you have such a bulk and a series, a treasury of summons, right? On the central theme, the midnight hour. Let me read that Matthew chapter, chapter 25 verse 13, which is the main topic right now. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. And here he says, be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. That's now New American Standard. Uh, then Amplify said, Watch therefore, give strict attention, and be cautious and active, for you do not know, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. King James says, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. He's saying that this is the parable. Right? The Lord came and gave this parable to the church. Matthew 25 verses 1 to 13. This is the parable. And in the parable, if you go back again to revisit, you see that he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God will be like this. There will be ten virgins stepping out, five of them wise, five foolish, oil, no oil, tired waiting, resting, sleeping, nodding, everything. Down here, they shout, waking up. Waking up, trim lamps, prepare them, light them, add oil. Others, please help me. No, go to those who sell. Don't do that here. And then going down there, Lord, Lord, the Lord come, they enter. Lord, Lord, please, I want to enter. Say, no, I rebuke you. The Lord rebukes them. Say, you cannot enter. You see the narrative of the parable, right? Are we together? But as he finishes that parable, after giving that description of how it will be then, then at the end you hear him say, but because of therefore going, therefore you, for you, you just keep watch. Because of these things that will happen. For you, you just keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. That's why I said, out of this entire parable, now this becomes the most important message. This one here. Matthew 25, 13. In fact, if you look at the entire purpose why the Lord Jesus churned forth, propelled forth this parable to the church is because of 13. That it may serve as a warning. That the church may not go through all that negative. Okay, what do I mean by this? This is the parable. The wise and the foolish. And he says, the wise get to enter. So I know very well that if you have two students or pupils in your class, and one of them is a very sharp student who is going to make it, right? Passing exams well. And the other one is not. You always have to focus on the one that is not. 
You understand? And that's why the entire parable, if you understand the paradigm, how it was set up, it was set up to focus the church on the one that did not make it. And if you focus on that, then you'll be able to make it. That's why he's saying that out of this description of the tempest that will happen at the end, the two lamps burning, buying oil, coming back, knocking and whatever, falling asleep and all that. He said, therefore, for you, you keep watch. You just be watchful. For you know not the day or the hour. What was the message when the Lord says now that this 13 is the key, is the center of the message of today's parable rather. So let me walk through you through this now. Listen very carefully. The reason Matthew 25, 13 becomes the centerpiece of this entire conversation here is because if you look very carefully at Matthew 25, 13, as he's saying, out of their foregoing, you just keep watch. You just be careful. You be cautious. You be alert. Don't be like others. So what he's trying to bring forth is the following. Matthew 25.13 essentially says that with all the tempest that will take place, with all the ungodliness that will consume the time, with all the unrighteousness, with all the lack of the fear of God that will be. Matthew 25 raises the, fore, the fact that the environment has become hostile. So the first thing, also, without the violence or whatever, without the violence or whatever, or the terrorism or name it, or the anti-Christianity or name it, that is in the Bible actually, without this fulfillment going on right now, that prepares the earth for the worst days, without that, the general legislative environment also is against righteousness. Yeah. So there is hostility for those that choose to walk in righteousness at this hour. Even in your own families. Sometimes your husband can turn against you. Or your children, or whichever, or your workmates. The Lord seems to have seen that as he was giving us Matthew 25.13. So Matthew 25.13 now, before I go into the write-up, focus on what I'm going to say now, before we write, this is all there, is this. 25.13 seems to have foreseen the difficult times that were going to befall the earth and the church and those pursuing righteousness. And it seems as if those who are righteous, the wicked would trample on their heads and go unchallenged. Nobody will rebuke them, unrebuked. So, Matthew 25, 13 is such a powerful scripture. The center of this parable. Why? Because it seems to say that I know what you're suffering. I know what you've gone through. I know that in that workplace you have suffered. Sometimes you are fasting and they are doing cocktails, dinners. Some directors from Singapore are there, have just arrived and you are the key person hosting them. You are running a workshop and there is cocktails and whatever. Women are walking nude around there. So the, the environment is hostile. Wine and beer is being served. All these things are happening. And the Lord is saying, and you cannot raise a voice. If you try to raise a voice, it's as if the entire management turn against you. 
Say, no, 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 this bank or this institution, this department has run the way it should run. Cannot bring your salvation here or religion here, whatever it is they will say. And so the Lord now uses Matthew 13 as a warning. He does this. He raises Matthew 13 say, therefore, for you, you, you just keep watch. Don't worry about those things. Because you don't know the day or the hour when your Lord comes. On which side of that door will you be? Whichever way. If you feel in your life that your salvation has not presented the hallmark, the feature, the characteristic, the character of the church that will enter into the eternal kingdom of God. Then the Lord is saying, this is the hour at which we need to change conformity and become more heavenly. And if that is you, even at home, and you have never received the Lord before, and now you feel like this word has touched you, you want now to obey. Obey the call to salvation. Repeat this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I have heard your word, your holy word. And Lord, I know that your word is established in heaven. And I ask you, my father, my everlasting father, to establish your word in my life. The word of salvation. I repent of all sins and receive you in my life. Precious Jesus, please transform me and withdraw me from focusing on the life in the world, on this earthly living. And change me and redirect me to be more heavenly focused that I may enter heaven, the kingdom of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I am born again. In this broadcast, this is not some kind of gimmick or trick. This is now the holy word. It's about salvation. The salvation of the cross. And it's not about money. This is about preparing you that after living this short life on this earth, you can have eternal peace with God. Make sure you're baptized and you find a Bible teaching church. Not a church where the pastor is comical, comedian, making you laugh. I am talking about a church where the pastor is teaching salvation. Salvation of the cross. Salvation of the blood. The old rugged cross. The abandoned cross. The cross at Golgotha. May the Lord bless you. Prepare the way. The Messiah is coming. Shalom. Todaraba. Todalahem.